Okay, I think we're live. Just checking to see if we are, because we're not. I'm going to be sat here talking to myself. No, we are live. There we go. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to episode five of Nobody Puts Podcast in a Corner. Um, hello, hello. Good evening, Meeple. Hello, Rachel. Um, yeah, so uh, welcome. Um, I'm kind of winging tonight, to be honest with you. For any of you that have seen um, the uh, uh, post that I put up promoting tonight, I decided to do tonight a little bit differently and um, and and not not have a guest. There's a few reasons behind why that happened. Um, one, because as I'm sure any of you who have been guests on the show before appreciate that it takes a little bit of prep to make uh to, to, to come on you can't just go oh yeah come on the show tonight yeah we'll see how that goes um and and also um i've been saying for a long time like you know i i i would would i ever be brave enough to sit here and try and make a podcast work for nearly an hour uh just by talking to uh you guys and obviously since um since going uh changing the format a little bit and doing it the way we're doing it now I can actually interact with you all. So I figured we'd have a conversation, you know, uh, in today's podcast about um, about whatever to do with films. Um, you know, I, I maybe slightly egotistically and arrogantly have admitted in the past that I do think I'm one of the biggest film geeks on planet Earth. Uh, it's not meant in an arrogant way, but it is meant in a way of, you know, if there's one thing I would like written on my gravestone, it's he liked films. Um, and, and you know, I, I watch films on a very regular basis. And that's one of the reasons why I started a podcast about it. So today's kind of a bit up in the air in the sense of we can talk about anything and everything to do with films. If you ever want to ask any questions, throw it at me, you know whatever you know it's 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 your time to ask whatever and to engage a conversation um in in the form of this ultimately so it, as i said it could be a total disaster it could be a lot of fun or it could be both um but we'll see so joining me this evening is my special guest the trusted banana bread beer um it is my favorite and i always make sure i have a couple ready for when i'm doing podcasts um so yeah that's that's where we are at um so hello everyone who has said hello so far james i am excited i bet you are james uh ithil hello uh hello pilko hello andrew hello susie and yes rach i am and walking film encyclopedia i don't consider myself to be a very intelligent person but if there's one thing i do know is it's films and all the things to do with films so that is going to be the basis of tonight's podcast um so here we are um five five episodes into season two which is always good fun um and yeah <laughs> i'd like to point out it's not that i've run out of guests because we actually do have uh, next week, I've got Andy joining me to do, do time travel. Uh, and then I'm hoping the week after, I'm going to have Martin and Rachel join to talk about anime films. I've got Roger coming on at some point to do westerns. I have Kieran coming on at some point to discuss film trilogies. Um, and there's a f um, I think there's a few others as well that I've forgotten. And I apologize if you're watching and I've forgotten you and we've decided that you're going to come on. But you know, it's, it's, I promise it's not down to that. It's not that, you know, no one's watching or listening anymore. I hope they are anyway. Um, so yes. Um, hello, Jamie. Thank you for being here. Um, uh, yes. Uh, lots of content upcoming meeple and, uh, both my parents are watching. Hello to you both. Uh, Corey, hell, hell, Corey. Hello. Hello, Corey. Hell. Uh, hello, Jack. Welcome. It's nice that you've uh, nice that you've joined in. Uh, I hope uh, I hope your new flat is suiting you well, Jack. Excuse me, I'm just taking my jumper off. It's bloody warm. Uh, right. So, um, oh, also, uh, who can tell me what film this is from? Whoever whoever gets this right first gets a big shout out. What film is this T-shirt from? Oh, oh dear. Ah, silence. See, no one knows. People are Googling it right now. Super Sounds of the 70s. What film is that from? 
Uh, right, so this is this is fun. It is warm though. I am really warm. Um, uh, no, uh, I see why you guessed that though, James. It is not Anchorman. Good guess though. Uh, Rachel Reservoir, and I'm guessing you mean Reservoir Dogs. In which cases you would be right. I do believe it is Reservoir Dogs. Yes. Oh, so is it Pulp Fiction? Then no, it's, it's Reservoir Dogs. Yes, Susie, Reservoir Dogs. Um, okay, so. Tonight, what what questions do you want to ask? What do you want to talk about? You know, like throw some subjects at me, ask me some questions. Um, I know a few people have got a few questions lined up already, um, and which is great. I've actually already been sent a pod, uh, podcast question in by someone who I'm not sure if they're able to join us tonight, but they sent me a message on Instagram earlier on, which I will uh, address soon. It's uh, from Miles. Um, so if my, Miles doesn't manage to make it into the live stream, then I will. Uh, cover his question um at some point very very soon um okay first questions are already in so rachel says who is your favorite director and why that is a very good question um my my fa i have i have a few i have like a top five directors list however if i was to go with my all-time favorite director Oh, I think I'd probably have to say Tarantino. Um, and I know it's quite a cliche answer. Um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, who's your favorite director? Oh, yeah, it's Quentin Tarantino. Um, because he's such a household name. But I, I, I really do mean that he is... He, he, the reason I like him so much is he makes films from such a unique perspective. It's always... There's always nice twists. There's always nice turns. And I always feel like he finds a really refreshing way of storytelling because you know he's so involved in the writing process of his own films you know obviously it's usually written and directed by Quentin Tarantino it's this very awe-inspiring thing that it's come from his own head and he's been able to take whatever's up here and actually make a film out of it um and I, I I think I just really admire the fact that he's always able to make such interesting and intrinsic films and he does it his way there's no telling him how to do his films. He, you know, uh, one of the best stories that I ever read was um, actor Tim Roth, who was in Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and obviously many, many other films. Uh, he said, he was watching a video, I think it was on GQ. GQ did like a talk with him and they were going over all the films that he'd done in his career. And when it got to Reservoir and Pulp Fiction, he said, it's such an interesting process working with Tarantino because as an actor, you want to do you want to improvise, you want to do your own thing with the character. And Tarantino, he said, has already done all of that for you. He's done your improvising for you. He sat there and gone, this is all the different ways you could do this scene, and this is the way I want you to do it. So they'll be doing a scene and he'll go, I'm going to try it a bit differently. And Tarantino will go, cut. And he'll go, look, I like what you're doing there, but that's not what the script asked you to do. So please do it the way I've asked you to do it. And I really kind of admire, as someone who likes directing too, obviously, nowhere near that kind of level but as someone who likes directing i i really admire that because i would always encourage actors to improvise but ultimately if you've written it and you're directing it you know how you want it done so it's good to say that and that's what makes this film so special is that that attitude is kind of him going well you know do it my way or I'll get somebody else. And I really kind of like that, you know, uh, in, a, in a slightly odd way. So, yeah, I'd have to say Tarantino. Um, but notable mention for Guy Ritchie. Um, I love anything Guy Ritchie does. And I know that's quite a controversial statement because a lot of people don't really um, don't really approve of all of his films. I love Snatch. Um, I love Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels. I love... Um, uh, I'm trying to think now, uh, King Arthur, the, the Arthur film, Nights at the Round Table, I thought that was really fun, it was refreshing, um, I love, love, love Man From U.N.C.L.E., that's my favourite Guy Ritchie film, The Man From U.N.C.L.E., um, and I really, my favourite live action Disney film so far has been Aladdin, um, which Guy Ritchie also directed, um, and it's just, every time he does something, I always enjoy it, um, so that's, that's really good, even if it's a bad film, I still enjoy it, um, so, and also, very notable mention for Zack Snyder, He's just got a really unique way of um, of creating films. And I find it, again, I keep using this word, but in a, in a very oversaturated market, if a director can come along and really do their own style of film, uh, a bit like Wes Anderson, who is also one of my favourite directors, um, 
then yeah, it's it's really nice. So yeah, long answer to the question, but yes, I hope that's answered your question, Rachel. Uh, Susie, what's your Sunday afternoon film? Um, I I know this sounds like a broken record by now, but it would probably have to be Mrs. Doubtfire. It's definitely one of those films that I can just sit on, sit sit on. I can sit on Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I can sit down and watch Mrs. Doubtfire at any given time. Um, but especially on a Sunday afternoon when I'm sat there going, oh, what do I watch? You know what? I just feel like I can go towards Mrs. Doubtfire. It's fun. Uh, if not Mrs. Doubtfire, maybe a Star Wars film, any Star Wars film. I've seen them all religiously enough times. Um, so yeah, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say Mrs. Doubtfire with, a, with the exception of a Star Wars film, maybe if I was feeling it, I wanted a bit more action and adventure, but yeah, they, they, they'd be my first ones to go to. Uh, or um, and I've just thought of this one, uh, or Chicken Run. Chicken Run is great fun. I love Chicken Run, and I don't need an excuse to put that film on. Um, it's funny, but you can have it on in the background, and you'll find yourself engaging with it quite nicely whilst that texting on your phone or whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire, Chicken Run, or any Star Wars film. Uh, Pilko, uh, an actor that you would watch... Uh, an actor you would watch a film with just because it's them, but not Robin Williams. Okay, well, I wouldn't have actually answered Robin Williams um, because um, I there are films that Robin Williams is in that I really am not a fan of. So I wouldn't always feel the need to watch a film because Robin Williams was in it. However, an actor that could make me watch a film just because they're in it Russell Crowe, straight off the bat. Um, I tend to think that Russell Crowe, uh, if Russell Crowe is in a film, I want to see what he does in that film. Um, it's always interesting. You know, I always find that the way, even if the film itself is crap, I always like to see um, what what he's done with that film, uh, with that role. And I think he usually, eight out of ten times, does a really good job. Uh, I watched relatively recently his newest film, Unhinged, where he plays a psychopathic killer throughout the whole you know, thing. And it was really different for him. And it was so fun. It was just fun. That's the only best way I can describe it. So, yeah, Russell Crowe. Um, or maybe Helen Mirren as well. I really, really love anything Helen Mirren's in. She She's always – she picks her roles so well that I feel like if Helen Mirren's going to be in a film, it's worth giving a go. Um, and also Alan Rickman. Um, I've pretty much seen most of Alan Rickman's films now. Obviously, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it because we did an entire podcast on it a few weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, Alan Rickman. If there still is a film that comes up that Alan Rickman's in that I've not seen, um, then I will I will uh, probably do that. Um, however, there... Oh God, I'm so... I'm so uh, sorry that I'm, I am catching up with the um, questions, I promise. So just bear with me. Um, however, one actor who I will give a massive shout out to, because I actually did this the other night. I got my Sky remote and voiced into it. This uh, Tim Curry, you know, Tim Curry. There are still many, many films of Tim Curry's I've not seen. And I watched Clue the other night for the first time, the 1985 murder mystery comedy it was incredible. And it was incredible because he was in it. And this is the thing, again, like many actors, the actor can be amazing, but the film doesn't have to be. And I will watch them in it just because it's them performing. Um, so yeah, Russell Crowe, Helen Mirren, Alan Rickman, Tim Curry, there's a handful of names for you to answer your question. Pilko. Um, Susie, who would play you in a story of your life? Don't know, because I don't think my life's that interesting for any actor to want to. However, um, if we're talking now based on yeah, kind of similar-ish, mm, not really similar appearance, but there's me being hopeful there, um, I would pick one or two actors. I'd either pick Dan Stevens from uh, Beauty and the Beast, Downton Abbey, or I'd pick James McAvoy, who obviously we all know from X-Men Split. Chronicles of Narnia. One of those two, I think, you know, I, I would be quite confident with them playing me, uh, if, if that was something they wanted to do. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question. Um, Rachel's comment there about Quentin Tarantino. James, has there ever been an acting performance that has really surprised you by how good it was? You've gone to see a film and thought, oh, 
not this person, I don't think much of them as an actor, but you've watched the film and thought, wow, what an amazing performance. If they perform like this in other films, they'd be, they'd be a film legend. That is a great question, James. And you know what? That is something I think a lot. Um, I... I have come away from films a lot and gone, do you know what? I don't like the actor, but they really wowed me in that. Matthew McConaughey is probably the first name that comes to mind. I am not a fan of Matthew McConaughey much, to be honest. Um, he's a great actor, but he just kind of doesn't really do it for me. However, especially in more recent years, I found that his ability to act has just rocketed it so much. And I really enjoy watching him now. And actually the past few films I've seen with him in, I've gone, do you know what? If he does that a bit more often, I'll probably engage with him a bit more. Um, there are a few other actors and I'm now sat here thinking, um, Chris Evans. And that's quite a odd statement to make considering he's such a household name these days. When Chris Evans first started playing Captain America, I was like, eh, sure, go for it. You know, he was good in the role, but he didn't do anything to wow me. As he went on as Captain America, I really enjoyed what he did with the role. However, it's what I've seen him do outside of um, Captain America that's made me really go, you know what? You know how to act. Um, uh, I forgot what it's called. Knives Out, the murder mystery Knives Out uh, that came out a few years ago, I think he was the selling part of that film to me. Uh, if he hadn't, if he, like, I'm telling you now, like, that was a great film, but it was him that made me go, it was a fantastic film. Um, and again, it was a surprising move. I didn't expect him to be so good. Uh, so yeah, there are probably a few more actors, James, on that one. So I will think about that throughout tonight's podcast and come back to you if I think of any more. Um, any film you hate and just can't watch and why? Yes, easy, The Justice League. So the 2017 film um, of the Justice League uh, that Joss Whedon uh, ruined and destroyed. Um, it's just a disaster of a film. It's an insult to all the work that had been built up in the DC universe up until that point. Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman are two of my favorite superhero films. They've got a lot of depth, a lot of character a lot of everything and then there was meant to be the third part of this trilogy as such with the justice league it was meant to be the most amazing thing and it just ended up being an absolute piece of garbage i actually think it's one of the worst films i've ever watched in my life and i despise joss whedon for coming along and basically going this is a very different film to the avengers that he also directed but i'm going to make it the avengers anyway it's just a moronic move and it was an insult to film fans and a bigger insult to DC fans who had actually really appreciated what uh, Zack Snyder, Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill and so on had done with the previous films to then just go and reshoot 85% of the film um, and, you know, call it the same thing. I just thought was an insult and I, yeah, just, I don't have a lot to say about that. Other than that, to be honest, he, you know, it's a shameful film. And if you know, if you, I, I get really angry about it because there is actually a really bigger and deeper story behind the way it went that way. Zack Snyder was originally meant to direct it. And then due to circumstances, he didn't anymore, but he'd already shot pretty much all the film. And then they decided, Warner Brothers decided to bring Joss Whedon in. And because Avengers have been so successful, they went, oh, you know what? Do what you did with Avengers with, with this. And he did that. He did exactly that. He did what he was asked to do, which was do a comic book film that was successful the way the Avengers was, but he completely missed the point. He turned it into the Avengers. It had the same humor. It had the same colors. It had the same, you know, just everything. DC is meant to be dark and gritty, visually dark, you know, not just in humor, but, you know, to the eye as well. And it just really wound me up that, that it was just a massive middle finger. So I'm really glad that in a month's time we get the Snyder cut, which will be the true vision of what justice league was meant to be. So, yes, good question, Pilko. Um, James, and on a similar note, what do you think is the best acting performance? So not necessarily best actor, but best performance given. Uh, Russell Crowe in Cinderella Man. Um, now, him as the... him as the um, He plays... It's the true-life biopic of the boxer James Braddock. Um, if boxing isn't your thing, it's not mine either, but still watch this film. It's one of my all-time favourite films. There is a scene in the film, long, it's not really a spoiler, the film came out like 15 years ago. Long story short, he basically is a famous boxer, he loses everything, 
And he, so much so, his wife, who's Renee Zellweger, they can't even afford to, this is going on during the Great Depression, sorry, I should point out. So um, a lot of things are going wrong. People don't have money. They can't afford to keep their electricity on. They can't afford food. They can't afford anything. It's horrible. And he used to be a really famous boxer. He did well for himself. One day he broke his hand. They, they dropped him. And he gets to a point midway through the film where his kids start getting ill. And, you know, and back then, unfortunately, especially during those times, kids got ill. It was way more serious than just them having a common cold today. And so Rennie Zellweger left with the kids to go and stay with her sister where it was warmer and brighter and healthier. And he uses his last money, literally his last few dollars, to get the ferry back over to, to the main city to to go and... Um, and, and basically, he goes into the old, the the club, I guess is the right word, uh, where all the big wigs are still working because boxing's still doing well and making them loads of money. And he turns up in his hand-me-downs and he says, my kids have gone. You know, my kids have been taken away. We can't even afford to pay the electricity. We can't afford to do anything. He goes, I'm not, any of you that know me know that I'm not the kind of man to, to you know, stand here and beg, but... I really would appreciate any help you can give. And he just takes his cap off and he goes around this room and he just ultimately begs for people to give him money so that he can get his electricity back on, so he can get his kids back. And I tell you what, there isn't a single time that I've watched that scene and not cried, you know, because it's such an incredibly emotional scene and it's all on Russell Crowe. It's all on Russell Crowe. He, he delivers it perfectly. And it is for me the greatest acted scene I have ever watched. And that's that some of you might be who might be watching it going, really? Like that seems a bit random. Watch it, watch it and tell me if you agree. You might not think it's the best ever, but you know, I, I think it's certainly up there. As far as acting goes, he should have won an Oscar for that scene alone, you know, but it was an incredible scene and he did a really good job. Um, and like I say, I can't even watch it without getting emotional because it's it's beautifully done so yeah hope that answers that question quite nicely um even though i didn't keep the question up on the screen james so sorry about that <sighs> okay we're getting through we're getting through loads of comments sorry that if i'm missing any i'm getting through them as quickly as possible um i'm having a sip of my drink whilst i'm reading over Meeple, film or franchise you wish you were involved in? James Bond. Simple. James Bond. I'd love to be involved in James Bond. I don't care. I'll play Bond. I'll play the villain. I'd love to play a villain. I'll play I'll play Money Penny for all you know I care. I just think it's a fantastic franchise that's got so much variety to it. And I would love to be involved in James Bond. So yes, hope that answers your question. Uh my favorite Disney character, um Scar from The Lion King. Um, Jeremy Irons, I I just love Jeremy Irons. He is actually another one of those actors that I would watch in anything um, if I see his name in it. You know, again, the film could be crap. Uh, and Jeremy Irons has done a few shit films, um, noticeably, notably the uh, Dungeons and Dragons film from the late 90s, but I still watch it because he's in it. Um, so yeah, uh, Scar, he's just wicked in all the best ways. And, you know, I'm sure everybody watching this who's seen The Lion King can appreciate that. But yeah, Scar, as in Jeremy Irons' Scar, not Chiwetel Ejiofor's Scar, because I like Chiwetel Ejiofor, but he didn't do the character any justice whatsoever. Andrew, you have recently created a film soundtrack playlist on Spotify. Yes, I have. Who do you think is the most underrated composer in cinema history? Thomas Newman is the simple answer to that question. Thomas Newman is a name that not... It, a lot of people don't like soundtrack music, and I totally get that. It's not for everyone. But those that do know about soundtrack music know of your Hans Zimmers and your John Williams and your, you know, um, oh, God, I'm, I'm maybe being a bit presumptuous here. But, you know, I assume that most people know those names. They're household names as far as composers go. And then you've got Thomas Newman. Now, Thomas Newman did the score for Finding Nemo. He did the score for American Beauty. He did Skyfall and Spectre. He's done Wally. He did. Um, oh my God, this is terrible. I'm, my mind's gone blank suddenly. He's done loads. He's done loads of scores, and you can always tell it's him. He's got a real specific way of. Oh, but his favorite, his best score, which is actually again one of my favorite films, is from a film called Meet Joe Black with Anthony Hopkins and Brad Pitt. Amazing film. If you've not watched it, watch it. Um, but his soundtrack in that is just so emotionally powerful. 
he knows how to make uh, music make you cry. Funnily enough, Thomas Newman also did the score for Cinderella Man that I was talking about with Russell Crowe earlier. And his music is one of the things in the scene that really also does add to the emotional factor of it. So if you are interested in soundtracks, and I've just said a name to you that you're going, who's Thomas Newman? Go on Spotify, go on YouTube, go on Apple, go wherever, and type in Thomas Newman and listen to some of his music. He's done a right variety. Also, a special mention for James Horner, who did Titanic, Braveheart, Avatar. Again, same lines, knows how to pull on your heartstrings. Uses a lot of uh, harps and bagpipes and all the music from Titanic and Braveheart. It just, it's incredible. It gets me every time. So, uh, yes, um, I hope that answers that question for you, Andrew. Um, Corey. Favourite classic film? Depends on your definition of classic. Uh, if you want to go classic as in, so classic to me is, um, so classic to, to a lot of people could be the original Star Wars films or Back to the Future or Jaws or Godfather because they were made in a time when we are like 40 years past that now. So they could be considered classics. However, classic to me is golden age of Hollywood classics. So Audrey Hepburn, Cary Grant, James Garner, Doris Day, Marilyn Monroe, you know, that's that's classic to me. Um, Steve McQueen, the list goes on. Humphrey Bogart, uh, James Stewart. Um, and I would have to say my favourite classic film is, funnily enough, starring the first two people who I just listed, which is Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant, and that's a film called Charade. Um, the film is ultimately, the best way to describe the film, it's a James Bond film that's done in the style of Alfred Hitchcock that isn't directed by Alfred Hitchcock, nor is it a James Bond film. But it's great. Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn have incredible chemistry. Uh, it's fun. It's a thriller murder mystery film where you're kind of going through the whole thing going, oh my God, who could have done this? And to this day, and you can quote me on this, I've seen a lot of murder mystery films. I still think it's the one film that I've watched where I could never have worked out in a million years who done it. But when I found out who done it, I was like, oh, my God, that was brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, Sherrod, highly recommend it. Fantastic film. Lots of fun. That's my favorite classic film. Uh, Pilko, finally watched Star Wars. Good for you, Pilko. Good for you. You go, Glenn Coco. Uh, right. Uh, Susie, yay. Love, love, Clue. Obviously, that was to, to go with the Tim Curry comment earlier on. Daniel Craig. I don't know what Rachel's saying Daniel Craig in relation to, so I apologise. Um, <laughs> Want to become famous by followers. Oh, yeah, because I'm streaming this to Twitch as well. Um, <sighs> I'm seeing lots of comments that are probably in relation to other questions that I answered ages ago. So if I don't highlight them comments, I apologise. I just don't know what they're uh there therefore um right uh andrew said zac efron after bad neighbor i'm guessing andrew's saying that in relation to an actor who you went you know what they can really act and you know what if that is the case i will say that as well for zac efron with the ted bundy film that he did um the really long title crimes notorious grindelwald whatever it was called um that film Shockingly evil. Um, him and Lily Collins in that. Zach Efron was fantastic, you know, and that really made me take him a lot more serious as an actor. Vicky. Hello, Vicky. What is your favourite franchise film? So is that you asking what my favourite film franchise is or is that asking what my favourite film from a franchise is? Because to me, they're two very different questions. So if you're listening and you've heard me, heard me say that, clarify that for me and I'll answer it. Um... Doobie-dooby-doo. Okay, Mr. Brock, who is Jack. Sorry, I've just given that away. Sorry, Jack. Uh, other than Justice League Snyder Cut, what film are you looking forward to watch? Well, I'm glad you said that because Snyder Cut would have been... Funnily enough, I even made the comment last night. I said, I don't care about anything else this year anymore. I only care about Snyder Cut. Um, I can give you a few, Jack. So uh, in the immediate future, Godzilla versus King Kong. I think the monster universe that Warner Brothers has pulled out their backsides is fantastic. Um, I really, really enjoyed the first Godzilla film. Ko, Ko, Kong, King Kong, Skull Island was fantastic. And then Godzilla, King of the Monsters, I loved. It's my favourite one. It's such a good film. Um, 
and King Kong versus Godzilla, I am so pumped for. Um, so yeah, really, really looking forward to that. Um, to also add on to that, I saw the trailer yesterday for the new Mortal Kombat film. Never really been a massive Mortal Kombat fan, if I'm honest with you. Played the games once or twice. The trailer really excited me, actually. It looks fun. It looks different. I'm sure people who play Mortal Kombat will tell me, and especially the people that have seen the original films will tell me, that's not necessarily the style that it should be. But as someone who's looking at it from a brand new perspective, I was quite excited about that. Later in the year, if we ever get it, James Bond, No Time to Die. Obviously, Daniel Craig's final Bond film. Should have seen it 18 months ago. Still haven't. Um, but there you go. That's life. Um, well, not 18 months ago, a year ago. You know what I mean? But uh, by the time I would have seen it, it would have been 18 months. Um, so very much excited for that, as I've already expressed in this podcast. Love me a good Bond film. Then I'd probably also say Fast and Furious 9, just because it's my guilty pleasure franchise. Um, so, and I could probably maybe tie that into Vicky's question if she, oh, film film from a franchise, then I will I will go with you on that then, Vicky. Uh, and I'll tie this in and I will say that maybe Fast and Furious 5 or 6, 5 or 6 from the Fast and Furious films, I've uh, got to be two of my favorite films to watch if not i would also say empire strikes back from star wars two towers from lord of the rings and i think of franchises here dead man's chest from pirates of the caribbean love that film there might be a few more to that but if i had to give you a definitive answer I'd probably have to say Empire Strikes Back from Star Wars, but I love the Fast and Furious films, and that's why I'm also looking forward to Fast and Furious 9. Um, also, just noticed that Vicky has said James Horner is incredible. Yes, Vicky. Nice. And Susie has said Thomas Newman is awesome. Yes. Lovely to see that some people here are recognising some, uh, some good composers. You know, if you, again, if you don't know, then yeah. Anyway, I'm going back up the list. I've missed a few people. Paul. Hello, Paul. Uh, talk to me about the curtains, age, heritage, etc. I don't know if I'm being stupid. I feel like I know what the curtains are, but I feel like I don't. Am I being stupid? <laughs> if I am being stupid, then I apologise. Um, film curtains. I'm guessing you're talking about the film curtains. Um, and if so, I've not seen it. So I can't talk about it because I haven't seen it. So I apologise. If that is what your um, uh, thing, uh, if that's what you're referring to. If you're not, then I don't know what you're talking about. I apologise. Uh, James, very insightful answers. I've really enjoyed this so far. Thank you very much. Um, Paul, why does James Bond never feature on your broad broadcast? Because... Paul, I can answer this question quite confidently because I actually have a James Bond episode lined up soon, which is one of the ones that I forgot to mention earlier in this episode. Uh, I will always talk about James Bond wherever I can. Casino Royale, the remake with Daniel Craig, is one of my all-time favourites. Um, I just... I guess they never come up in conversation that much. Um, but yes, I'm actually doing an episode on James Bond in the near future, uh, so stay tuned for that one. Um... Meeple, dream role. That's a good question. I'd probably go back to the previous answer that I gave and say just any role in a Bond film. I love, I just love, yeah, uh, uh, you know, I'd say Star Wars, but I might have said Star Wars 10 years ago, but I don't think I'd say it anymore. Um, or I'd love to be in a musical like The Greatest Showman. Or Moulin Rouge. I feel like that would be a fun, fun thing to be involved in. So, yeah. Dream role, either a musical or a role in a Bond film. Sorry, that's, that's not... Uh, if you were after a specific role, then I would go with James Bond, probably, or a Bond villain. But I, I, I can't say that's really a question I've ever really thought about much. Um, yeah, yeah, that's probably, yeah. Sorry if that's quite a vague answer. I appreciate. Um, Pilko, I feel like I need to watch James Bond after Star Wars. Um, yes, absolutely. Funnily enough, we're going to be covering this in the in the uh, James Bond podcast, um, talking about, you know, James Bond is such a... 
it's not complicated, but it's a knowing where to start because obviously it got rebooted after 20, 20 or 21 films, 20 films, I think. Um, and, you know, it kind of, it's like, well, do you start at the beginning with Sean Connery or do you start with Daniel Craig? You know, there's a lot of the Roger Moore films that people would find quite cheesy. So it's a mixed bag, but it's a bit like Star Wars. You know, you were saying that you just recently started watching Star Wars. Star Wars, you should really watch in chronological order, which is The Phantom Menace right through to now The Rise of Skywalker. But midway through that, you're going to have the original trilogy, which is obviously A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And they were made like 30 to 40 years ago. So you noticeably see a decrease in quality and i say that from a visual standpoint not a film overall standpoint um yeah so it's 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 a bit of a difficult one to where to start if you really want to experience james bond in its in, in, in infinite wisdom then you have to start with dr no right through to what will be no time to die if you want to see if james bond's your cup of tea and then maybe go back and explore more. If you do like it, start with Casino Royale with the Daniel Craig, uh, Daniel Craig Casino Royale. So hope that gives a little bit of advice there. Um, Favourite, It's So Bad, It's Good film. It depends. That's a really difficult one because a lot of films that I say are really good people break my balls for and say that's that's a crap film ross how can you say you really enjoy that so i'll we give an example of that the film the amazing spider-man 2 so uh this is the film the second film that andrew garfield was in um he i thought it was fantastic i don't know why i liked it i hans Zimmer did the score for it andrew garfield's my favorite spider-man emma stone was really good in it um I just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Jamie Foxx made a compelling villain as well. But nobody else seems to like it. It just seems to be one of those films that people go, really? It was crap. Uh, so much so it got the Spider-Man franchise cancelled once again. So I I would say... I would say The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I'm hoping maybe a few people will pop up in this and go, I really like that film too. But that's kind of... It's a perspective one. But from my personal experience, people have given me crap for liking that film. So I'll go with that. Um, otherwise, if it's just a really cringy, awful film that you're talking about, just like a film that's really, really bad and I struggle to watch it, but it's actually kind of good because of that, anything like Ace Ventura or something like that, because I struggle to watch Ace Ventura, but yeah, it's kind of really good at the same time. Okay. Rachel. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. That was an easy one. Um, I feel like Lord of the Rings has just been more consistently better. And I prefer the story. I prefer the more fantasy element. And I don't like kids. So that's kind of why I don't like Harry Potter much. But Goblet of Fire is a fantastic film, in my humble opinion. Uh, Meeple, for the inverse of James's question earlier, who is a great actor who did a terrible job in something? Oh, that is a good question. Let me keep that up there. Let me have a drink. A really good actor who did a really bad job. There's got to be a few, isn't there? I would say... This is going to be quite a controversial thing to say. I have to say, I did find some of the dialogue in the prequel Star Wars films, so Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith, features some really good actors, Ewan McGregor, Liam Neeson, uh, Christopher Lee, Samuel L. Jackson, Natalie Portman, you know, great cast. A lot of them are in their earlier part of their career who could still very much act then. And for the record, I really like Hayden Christensen as well. Um, obviously, he played Anakin in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and I do actually think he's quite a good actor. But I have to say, all of them had questionable moments in the prequels. Ewan McGregor, in particular, there was a scene in Revenge of the Sith that makes me cringe every single time I watch it. And it's where he tells spoilers, he tells Padme that um, 
Anakin to turn to the dark side and that he did some bad stuff that I won't say because it's I'll let Pilko enjoy it when she watches the film. Um, and he kind of says it in just the worst acted way possible. Now, I love Ewan McGregor and I think he's a fantastic actor and I love him as Obi-Wan Kenobi. But the dialogue was so bad that not even he could get around it. So I can't think of a specific actor in a specific film right this second. But as far as a general... Um, general answer goes i hope that gives you something um okay um ethel shane is very excited for the mortal combat um good me too susie what film franchise should disney make a series from next as they have one division and mandalorian okay i don't know i don't know because they're doing everything already um, if they were doing some, I'd love to see like an, an, an animated, I'd love to see a live action uh, take. Um, I would have said. I don't know. Actually, that's a really good question. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the, um, because Disney kind of have their hands in everything at the minute. However, what I will say, I'm not going to answer your question properly, Susie. Oh, it's come off the screen. Uh, I'm not going to answer that question properly. What I am going to say is I read something interesting the other day that was revealed that Disney um, are looking at buying MGM, who obviously owned James Bond. So it's entirely possible that in the near future, if that was to happen, Disney may end up being the distributors or the you know money suppliers of the Bond series moving forward. And I find that would be quite an interesting thing to see a take on because knowing Disney, they'll there'll be James Bond Junior, there'll be James Bond the, the you know the TV show, there'll be James Bond the animated series because that's Disney, they milk everything. So yeah, I I I, I can't answer your question specifically because I know they've got their hands in lots of pies as we speak, but a bit of insight there as to what could happen in the future. Um, oh, Rachel, the curtains behind you in previous to the comment earlier on right well um, these are as i know these don't believe these curtains have been featured in any films so i'm not discussing the curtains and i don't know because the curtains are here when i moved into the house um however bit of trivia there there is a film called the curtains and it uh, was made in 1983 um and it looks awful it looks like a horror so yeah Turned something there into something. Um, right. Corey, favourite disaster film? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now. Of, I'm going to have to Google disaster films. Um, because I know disaster films, does that make sense? But off the top of my head, I wouldn't know which one to pick. Um... So apparently Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is considered a disaster film, which would make sense because Godzilla trashes everything in that film. So I'd have to go with that. However, if you want a more traditional uh, disaster film, the um, towering, the film Towering Inferno with uh, Steve McQueen. Great film. Love it. So highly recommend that. Um, okay. Was it Steve McQueen? I'm questioning myself now. I think it was Steve McQueen. No, Stephen. Oh, yeah, he was in it. Yeah, and Paul Newman as well. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, Towering Inferno with Paul Newman and Steve McQueen. But Godzilla, King of the Monsters, if you want to go from a one disaster film from one generation to another. Um, Andrew, Con Air or Face Off? Which one is better in your opinion? Easy, Face Off. I do not like actor John Malkovich. Excuse me, I'm about to cough. Oh, excuse me. Um, I do not like John Malkovich. One of the only films I like John Malkovich in is the film Red. Um, and I I don't rate him much at all. I'm really sorry my voice has gone all gravelly. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I struggle to watch Con Air with him in it because he just infuriates me. Uh, however, Face Off, for all its faults, is a fantastic 90s action film with 
obviously John Travolta and Nicolas Cage doing what they do best. Nicolas Cage has done many bad films and he's done many good films. And I'm happy to say that Face Off is in the good part. Con Air, I know, gets a lot of raving and people love it. I just could never get into it. I enjoyed Nicolas Cage and Steve Buscemi in it. But unfortunately, John Malkovich overshadowed the whole film for me and just made me not really enjoy it that much. So yes, Face Off. Uh, which, uh, interesting bit of trivia, uh, they've just announced they're doing a sequel for. <laughs> I'm not sure how well that's going to go. Favourite film to watch while strongly under the influence of alcohol? Funny you should ask that question, James, because once upon a time that actually happened. So I watched a film um, uh, ages ago that I thought was absolutely horrendous. And then I watched it again under the influence of alcohol and thought it was one of the best things I've ever watched. And that was the Lego movie. I watched the Lego movie sober and thought it was a pile of crap. Then I watched it under the influence of a lot of beer and loved it. And then watched it sober again and loved it. So must have just been in a bad mood the first time. But whenever I think of the Lego movie, I always think of how I watched it drunk and it made me like it. So yes, I can actually give you a proper answer to that question. Favorite video game movie? Um, there's not been many. Uh, funnily enough, oh, that's just reminded me. That is also another one that we're doing. Me and Shane are doing uh, an episode on video game films in a few weeks' time. Um, I probably, uh, I might just be saying this because I only just watched it, but Sonic the Hedgehog was really good. I really like the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider films, both of them. You know, the first one and Cradle of Life. I thought they were really enjoyable. I didn't really enjoy the newer one so much. I didn't mind Detective Pikachu, I guess. But if I had to pick, I'd probably say Sonic or the Tomb Raider films, Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Um, so yeah, hope that answers that question. Um, Ithil, at this rate, Disney will be our only source of entertainment. I think you might be right there. Um, oh yes, Volcano and Dante's Peak for disaster films. How could I forget? Yeah. Both great disaster movies. Dante's Peak's really good, but so is Volcano. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, good, good. It's the same. Um, Pilko, I've got to ask, favourite horror slash thriller and why? Horror? My favourite horror film, because it genuinely scared the crap out of me, is Insidious, the first one. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was clever. I was talking actually about this the other day. I was saying the thing that the thing that horror films do that really annoy me is, and I'll use myself as an example right now for those that are watching this, opposed to listening to it, is that I'm positioning myself a bit more off screen. So imagine this is a horror film. You've got you know me on the far side, and then you've got three quarters of the screen where I um, I've got all this open space. In a traditional horror film, at this point, you'd expect a ghoul or a demon or a ghost or something to appear behind me because the shot suggests it. And that always really annoyed me because you see the scare before the scare happens. And I know that's a cliche thing that horror films have done and will always do. But, you know, horror films have got to kind of up their game a little bit these days. And the thing that I love about Insidious is that it doesn't play to that. It does it where it like sets up shots and leads you into a false sense of security and then scares the crap out of you. And I, for that reason, I, I love Insidious. I also think Insidious 2, although not scary, is a really clever story counterpart to Insidious 1. So yeah, the, the first two Insidious films, I'm a big, big fan of. Um, as for a thriller, if you class Inception as a thriller, then I'll go with Inception. I think Inception is a fair thriller. It's an action thriller. But you know, if you want psychological thriller... Then I'd go with, uh, I don't know. Also, on the horror note, uh, Devil's uh, Advocate with Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves. That's technically a horror. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, but again, as far, as far as thriller goes, psychological thrillers, it's one of my favourite genres, yet I can't think of a film that I, I immediately like. Um, it will come to me. It will come to me because, uh, you know, a thriller is closer to an action film and a psychological thriller is closer to a horror film. So um, let me just, psychological thrillers. I'm sure something will just jog my memory quickly. Um, Split, Split's good. I really enjoy Split. Big fan of James McAvoy, to be fair. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, also, no, here's a good psychological thriller film, um, is Prisoners with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah, like, amazing film. If you're not, I can't tell you anything about it, because if you haven't seen it, massive spoilers the whole way through, but great film, highly recommend. Um, American Psycho, um, I've just seen Corey put. Uh, yeah, if, if you would class American Psycho um, as, as a thriller or a psychological thriller, which I'm sure it absolutely is now I think about it and say it out loud, then yes, absolutely American Psycho. Adore American Psycho. It's one of the best films ever. Um, Susie, Shawshank Redemption is a horror for Ross. Yes, it is. But do you know what? I, I've I've got right. If there's one thing these podcasts have got me a lot of, if if, if one if somebody was to get fan mail or sorry fan hate mail, I get that for my opinions of Shawshank Redemption, and it's forced me to really rethink what I actually think of the film. And I don't think it's about. I, I never, for the record, said it was a bad film. I just said I thought it was overrated. I do think it's a really good film. I love the director, um, and I love the score, Thomas Newman. Um, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I might need to come back on that one, but yeah, otherwise it's a horror for me. Uh, okay, let's just make sure I've not missed anything. I don't think I have. Okay, favourite Tom Cruise film? Edge of Tomorrow is really good. I really, really enjoy Edge of Tomorrow. Um, I also really like the Mission Impossible series, to be, to be honest. So, if I was to pick one, though, mm, yeah, I'd probably go there to tomorrow, or Tropic Thunder, but I don't feel that's fair, because Tom Cruise has got such a small role in it, it's a very memorable role, um, but he's not the central part of the film, so I feel like it would be unfair to say that would be my favourite film of his. So yeah, I would go with uh, Edge of Tomorrow, but I may be missing an obvious one, and now I'm just going to quickly type in Tom Cruise films to make sure that um, I've not missed anything really obvious. Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> uh, or Rain Man. Rain Man's pretty good. I really enjoyed Rain Man, actually. Very hard-hitting on an emotional level. Uh, so yeah, um, okay, uh, a film franchise you wish didn't exist, that is a good question, a film franchise that I just feel isn't needed, uh, Jaws, <laughs> I quite like the original Jaws, but it scares me, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, actually. I don't really feel... I feel like every franchise, even if the majority of them are bad, there's always one decent film. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think there is one I can really say for that one, Pilko. Um, I... I'm really trying to think now. No, I actually can't think of a film franchise I wish... Um, didn't exist. Like I can say I'm not a massive fan of Jaws. I like the first Jaws, but every film after that is absolute garbage. Uh, Sharknado to a degree, but then even Sharknado's got its own charm in its own way. <laughs> ah, Rachel's just said Sharknado. Um, okay, so yes, uh, that's where I'm at with that. Um, now I'm going to answer a question that I'm asking myself, which is, um, what is a film that you think is underrated? And I like answering this question whenever I get asked it. And the film that I'm going to nominate that I recommend everyone watch is a film called The Majestic. Uh, the Majestic is a 2001, he says. Uh, yes, it's a 2001 film uh, directed, funny enough, by Frank Darabont, who did uh, Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile. Um, and it's a very underrated film. Uh, with Jim Carrey playing a very charismatic but serious role. And I think it is Jim Carrey's absolute best film. I love The Mask, um, and I, I like a lot of what Jim Carrey does, to be fair. But uh, I have to say The Majestic is by far one of the greatest underrated films I've ever seen. It's heartwarming, it's fun, it's got a real 
classic jazzy vibe to it. It's just great fun, and I highly recommend it. Uh, so, yeah, there, I've answered my own question. Um, Grace, hello, Grace. Uh, what film franchise shouldn't have been milked, meaning they should have stopped after three? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think there's a lot that I could probably say for that one, to be honest. Um, I've always, it's not quite answering your question, but I always felt the Hobbit films were poorly milked. Like the Hobbit was one very small to medium sized book that, that was turned into three very long films that also had extended editions and a lot of unnecessary things were added in just to please fans. And I actually think, ironically, it's the fans that had the big, no, I say that, the, the fans that had um, actually something, a problem with it, because it was just unnecessary. It was just, I think it was Warner Brothers or New Line or whoever it was that did it, kind of going, yeah, let's just make some more money out of this. Um, so, yeah, I would say The Hobbit films. The Hobbit would have been good as just one very long film with a great extended edition, uh, not as three films. Um lot of unnecessary shit added in um with regards to other films i mean a lot of people would tell me the fast and furious franchise but as we've already established i don't feel that way with it. I'm, I'm i'm looking at my film collections trying to get some inspiration um well i don't know i'd probably have to go with that one grace i'd probably have to go on with the hobbit um there are probably loads, but I also haven't seen, there are, I still get crap for the fact that I've never seen the Rocky films. Um, and, you know, but I, from what I hear, it's actually some of the earlier Rocky films that aren't that great. Um, I know a lot of horror franchises have done it. So I'm seeing here Final Destination and Nightmare on Elm Street. I know that a lot of, you know, you get horror films like that just go on and on and on and on. Um Ithil's just made a great point. Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I, I'm I, a bit torn with Pirates because I, I could do an entire podcast on my thoughts of the Pirates of the Caribbean series. So I agree the first three are definitely superior, but I actually think At World's End um, is quite a weak film. Uh, and it will be coming up in my Rule of Trilogy podcast episode that I'll be doing in a few months' time, I think we're in a month's time, where basically I have this rule um and it's the the general rule of trilogies is that the first one's good the second one's amazing and the third one is crap now i can apply that to a lot of trilogies people may disagree with me but that's my rule you know so the original star wars trilogy a new hope is good empire strikes back is amazing return of the jedi it's not crap but it's definitely the weaker of the three in my opinion um the lord of the rings films fellowship of the ring really good Two Towers, amazing. Return of the King, I'm actually not a big fan of it. I felt like they got a lot of things wrong with it. Um, so um, I I think um, I think there's, yeah. I think with Pirates, it also follows that, where I think the first one's really good, and I think Dead Man's Chest is amazing, and World's End isn't great. However... I think on Stranger Tides is really good. And I think I'm one of the very few people that actually thinks that. Uh, the fifth one they did, I can't remember what it was called. Salazar's Revenge, was it? Or Dead Men Tell No Tales, depending on where you live. I, I didn't enjoy that at all, actually. I th really thought it was going to be good. I really thought it was going to be like a nice, refreshing take on like maybe um, like the first one. Uh, but I didn't, I thought it was awful. I, it was just very much, you know, but then I thought Johnny Depp was pretty crap in it. And then I read that that was during the time of all the Amber Heard stuff, which I won't go into, but it kind of makes sense anyway. Um, so yeah, the fifth one was crap and I kind of get why they stopped. That being said, I do think number four is really good. So I kind of agree with the Pirates of the Caribbean, but yeah, I kind of get where you're coming from. I'll meet you in the middle. Uh, so yes, sorry to, I've kind of gone on a massive tangent, but yes, to go back to Grace's question, I hope that's given you some form of an answer, Grace. Um, Rocky Four is the best, yes. Uh, I hate to say it, Saw loves it. I oh, see, I disagree with you there, Pilko. I actually really enjoyed all the Saw films. I, I even Jigsaw, obviously, which was meant to be a prequel, I think, wasn't it? Um, or something, I don't remember. But yeah, Jigsaw I thought was really good. Uh, prequel sequel. 
Uh, Corey said earlier on, uh, Tron Legacy. Yeah, that's an underrated film for sure. I agree with you there. Um, question from Dad, says Susie. Which order of preference for the Cornetto trilogy? Uh, Hot Fuzz being the best. Shaun of the Dead, very close tie with Hot Fuzz. And then The World's End or At World's End or whichever. I always get it mixed up with the Pirates of the Caribbean film. Uh, the World's End one. I just didn't like it at all. Um, so yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't get into that. Um, so that's that's my order for them. Um, which, funnily enough, follows my rule. It's the first one being good, the second one being the best, and the third one being shit. So yeah, my rule is a thing. The more you think about it, honestly, it's the same with Godfather. The first one's good, the second one's amazing, third one's not great. Um, think of the rule, think of trilogies. Um, as many trilogies as you can and try and apply that rule the original x-men films the first one was good the second one was amazing the third one was shite the original spider-man films the first one was good the second one was amazing the third one was shite i could go on however there are a few exceptions um a lot of people would say it with the nolan dark knight trilogy they say the first one was good the second one was amazing the third one was crap i disagree with that but a lot of people would think that with those films um, there are exceptions, though, such as, as Corey's just said, the Men in Black films, where actually it's the opposite. The first one is good, the second one is awful, the third one is brilliant. Um, so, yeah. Now I'm going to read out a question that I got sent earlier on from Miles. Uh, and he said, um, his question, which I just need to make sure that I'm... Uh, are there any particular low-budget films which have stood out over the recent years? For him, it's been Upgrade and Invisible Man. Um, that is a very good question. And I am just having a look because it depends what you define as low budget. Um, so I'm just having a look at what Google defines as low budget to see if I can kind of find one that jumps out at me that I think was really good. Um, there was one that I watched recently and I remember doing some homework on it afterwards and thinking... Oh my god, that was made on such a minor budget, yet it was incredible. Yet for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. So I'm just having a look through um, low-budget films to try and get some inspiration from what it could have been. There are, honestly, a lot of really, really good, solid, low-budget movies out there, but they just don't get the promotion um, that's required, so therefore people never find out about them, and they become quite, you know rightly underrated um and then eventually in like 10 years time become cult classics so i'm having a look and i'm struggling to find um any that are jumping out at me miles so i apologize this one gonna be that's gonna have to be one that i really think about um now if you want independent films that have come out because generally independent films are um a bit more uh i've got lesser budget shall i say then i would say oh i don't know this is this is one that's really stunned me making me feel like i don't know my don't know my shit at all um i'd rather say something that's worth saying uh there is yeah i'm just i'm struggling to come across any that i've seen i will have to come back to you on that one miles if you are listening i will come back to you on that one so i apologize but yeah good question really good question um okay uh king's speech susie says was the most successful independent film mm, very good point um Grace says, low budget film, what we did on ho our holiday. Love that film. Um, I'm not sure I've seen that. Yeah, not sure I've seen that. Um, however, it has just reminded me of one that I recommend to quite a few people a lot. And it's on Netflix. I, don't th I, think, I think it could be considered an independent low budget film. And I've forgotten what it's called. <laughs> um, I'm always recommending it. So um, it's quite a long film. Um, this is where I leave you. 
This is where I leave you is a film. Um, it's ultimately it's a comedy drama. It's that's the best way to describe it. It is funny, but it's got a very serious tone to it as well. It's got Adam Driver in it. It's got Tina Fey in it. It's got um, 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 Jason Bateman. That's his name. Um, and it is great. And I think that would be a fair one to say that in you know recent years was certainly considered uh, a low budget, maybe. Maybe not so much, but it's a good film. It's worth recommending regardless. Um, Pilko says, um, one called, do you want me to kill him? Such an interesting story. I will check that out. Thank you for recommending. James Lewis. It's got Billy Connolly in it. And I think David Tennant, what we did on our holiday, really heartwarming film. Very nice. I will check that out. There's a new film coming out soon with uh, Stanley Tucci and uh, Colin Firth in. And it looks amazing. I can't remember what it's called, but it looks wonderful. Really heartwarming film. Again, it's an independent, low-budget film. For the life of me, can't remember what it's called, though. But it looks really, really nice. Um, so, yes, uh, that, I think, is where we're probably going to uh, wrap up today's... Um, we're going to wrap up today's one. Um, so, um, I hope that you've enjoyed this very sporadic random episode of the podcast i hope my answers to your questions have been uh sufficient enough and thank you to everyone who has been sending in questions uh next week i will be back with my dad andy uh to uh do uh, and discuss time travel in films. So we're going to be tackling a lot of time travel uh, or films that deal with time travel and all the different methods of time travel that exist in these films. And we're going to kind of be hashing out what our opinions are. And, you know, it's quite, it's going to be quite an in-depth podcast that I think is going to be a lot of fun. Um, so, um, yeah, I hope you can join us for that podcast next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, I'm not sure which order it will be in, but I'll hopefully be doing an anime film one and also the video game film one. And then a James Bond episode. I must do the James Bond episode soon. So, yes, um, thank you all. Um, for for joining in and i really appreciate it um and if you don't already please follow um you know us on on whatever social websites i promote us on uh, facebook's the main one to be fair if you want to catch it catch it on facebook nobody puts podcast in a corner um but remember you can always listen to any previous episodes from this season or last season on spotify or apple podcasts so thank you all for joining in um hello uh thank you all for joining in thank you for your questions i will be back next week seven o'clock with andy to discuss time travel films until then stay safe have a lovely weekend and see you all soon bye bye